You have queued up The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? In this edition of The Roulette Tapes, we track the career of composer and sound artist Fast Forward, whose work stems from traditional percussion, untraditional resonant objects, and a fascination with the Trinidadian steel pan. We'll hear performances recorded at Roulette dating from 1984 to 2017, alongside commentary from the artist. And now, fast forward. My name is Fuzz Forward. I grew up in England, in the United Kingdom, in North England, in a little town called Whitley Bay. I lived about a hundred yards from the ocean. I went to several schools and colleges, and my last one was four years at art school in Leeds and Newcastle. At that time in England, when you went to art schools, you could do every, anything you want. The government actually gave you a stipend and you could show up for classes or not. And you were left to just create art. And in the last year of those four years, I started working with music and sound. My lecturer was Stuart Marshall at the time. Afterwards, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. There was no postgraduate program in England for electronic music or experimental music. And Stuart said, why don't you apply to the United States? Which I thought was a really wild idea because there I was in the north of England. And he suggested that I apply to Wesleyan, where Alvin Lucier was the director, and to Mills College, Center for Contemporary Music. So I applied to them both. I received word back from Wesleyan that my application was too late. And I heard back from Mills that said, yeah, come on out. So I got on a plane and went to California. And that was 1976. And at that time, the directorship was a split between Robert Ashley and David Behrman. And so lucky us, we got to uh, be taught by both of them, mentored by both of them, or just hang out with both of them. 
After that, I started a studio with one of my friends called Pink Noise Studios in Oakland, California. I stayed in California for five years. The pivotal point actually was something to do with the airlines. And they offered $89 flights to New York. And I thought, this is my opportunity. I went to New York, got a taste of that, and went back to California and packed up the studio and moved to New York. That was 1981. And I've been in New York since then, composing and uh, living in New York. Maybe a good point for me to say is having done electronic music for five years in California, when I came to New York, I didn't bring all that electronic equipment with me. And I was having a bit of an artistic issue at the time, because if you remember with analog electronics, there was so much that could go wrong in a performance. For me, being really involved with the performance aspect of it, I found that that got in the way. And what I did when I came to New York, I happened to be on the streets of New York one day and I heard a guy playing a steel pan. And I thought, this is a really interesting instrument. I could do something with that. And so I went to him and I asked him where I could get one. I bought the steel pan and pretty much locked myself away for six months learning what I could do with a steel pan. I didn't want to play traditional steel pan music or covers. I wanted to do something more experimental. And so I started doing um, solo steel pan concerts in very reverberative acoustic spaces. One of my first co collaborations uh, came to fruition and that was with Yves Musin, the French dancer and choreographer. And we'd go back and forwards to Europe for a number of years playing in different dance venues and um, strange places. We played in a hair salon in Berlin. It was easy for me to travel with the steel pan. It was just a piece of metal and a few other accoutrements. I would play steel pan and Eve would dance. That full circle was really pleasurable, not having to deal with troubleshooting when I came on stage.
You know, ideally, when I make music, in an ideal circumstance, I would not be controlling the music. So my favorite results of the music that I make are when somehow it is not under my control. I started using instruments that I found on the street, pieces of metal, truck shock absorbers, and I really got involved in the resonance of the metal. Somehow, I've always been attracted to acoustics and reverberation. I started to amass, I should say, too many instruments, which many people would call objects. And since that time, I now call objects. I don't really regard myself as a percussionist. I regard myself more as an object manipulator, shall we say. In 1998, Fast Forward performed a concert at Roulette arranged around his collection of resonant objects. Here is a montage illustrating the sound menagerie from that day. Thank you. 
I think what bubbles to the surface about my roulette performances uh, is an opportunity to do something with, um, with others. People I admire, people I think are really wonderful musicians and people. The venue is fantastic for large ensembles uh, rather than solo work. I can do that anywhere. I also remember what is ingrained in my memory is the time that Eve Muzan and I did a collaborative performance at Roulette. And knowing that that concert was coming up, for some reason, don't ask me why, but I decided to collect these um, discarded Thunderbird bottles from the street. And the, we called the piece Dead Thunderbirds. And for the stage set, I lined up lines of these empty Thunderbird bottles, glass Thunderbird bottles, and Eve danced around them. But at some point, some of those bottles got broken and some of the glass splinters went between the old oak flooring. And Jim was not happy about that. And I remember after the concert, the look on his face and telling me about the dancers upcoming probably in a day or two. And we were there till about one o'clock in the morning picking glass splinters out of the floor. But it sounded good. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yes, Takahisa Kusugi. I should say that I first met Kusugi in Berlin and I went to a concert of his at Institut Unsat. That was a space operated by Matthias Osterwald, who went on to be one of the most important uh, promoters of experimental and new music in Europe and still is. And that night, they had a power out, and Kasugi was planning on doing Kasugi's little electronic devices. And he decided to go on with the concert. And what he did was, he had three bamboo skewers in one hand, and a, a little portable shortwave radio in the other hand. And for about an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes, he went around the perimeter of the gallery or space, pivoting the bamboo skewers on the wall and changing the dial on the shortwave radio. And I thought, this is magical. And we met in New York after that. We did a piece together called Parabola. We went on, he and when he was had the directorship of the Merced Cunningham Dance Company, he invited me to participate for that, and I toured with the company for a number of years. I've often thought about it and wondered, you know, how was he so talented or how was he so perceptive about what he did? And I think one of the things is that he made a point of not imposing himself upon the music as much as he could. So he also started events and situations where they could take over from him and he could stand back and let it happen. Remarkable human being, very sad for his passing not so long ago. And also we had the same, we were born on the same day. We always used to celebrate that in any way.
Food is really important to me. And I think it started when I was in my grandmother's kitchen because my grandmother used to spend most of the day cooking. And one of the things I learned was it takes time to make good food. So she never rushed her food. Her burners were always on low or just above low. And she would simmer things and all the juices and the flavors of the food would come to fruition. I started cooking myself at an early age through art school and in the United States. And now for many years, I cook four hours a day, every day. At some point when I was cooking, I thought I should incorporate this into my music or my artwork. And one of the first times I did that was actually in Parabola with Kasugi, where we did this collaboration. And I walked up some almonds. I made tamari almonds. And it makes sound, and I gave them out to the audience. What followed on from that was feeding frenzy in the feeding frenzy. Well, that would take a long time to describe, but it's, it has become a work for five cooks, five musicians, and five waiters, and the audience. I write a score for the musicians, and all the food goes straight out to the audience. Everyone is amplified. All the sounds the cooks are at, make are amplified. Uh, the musicians are amplified, and the audience are amplified. Um, so, food has become a, um, an instrument for me. Roulette is one of the very few places that can offer a venue for the artists of New York who have an experimental bent. The dedication and devotion that both you and Jim have given to Roulette to allow that to occur for people is off into the stratosphere. It's an incredible gift you have given uh, the community. That has grown through the decades to the point that it is the roulette that we know today, which is a remarkable space presenting remarkable musicians and giving the opportunity to work that would not be shown in any other venue. Roulette is priceless.
the music and collaborations of the composer and sound artist known as Fast Forward. The performances have been preserved as part of Roulette's Concert Archive project. These programs are made possible in part with support from the National Endowment for the Arts and Grammy Museum. To hear more programs like this, please subscribe through your preferred podcast platform. This is David Weinstein at the desk. Thanks to Fast Forward and everyone listening. You have been listening to The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.